Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the CIAC Cast. It has been way too long. We have been negligent here with our CIAC Cast, but championship time of year can always get a little busy. Uh, and with that said, we are going to—I'm going to uh, I'm gonna waste little time here with my normal preamble and introductions and whatnot. Just going to talk about a few things here before we get to it. But this is our football preview edition of the CIC Gas Football Championship Preview Edition, I should say. We are going to get Ned Griffin and Sean Patrick Boley on the phone at the same time here. Let them go deep on the uh, four upcoming CIAC football championship games. So we're looking forward to getting on the horn with those gentlemen. Let them uh, let them regale us with all the things they've got to uh, to say about the upcoming championship games. So let's uh, just quickly run down some of the things that uh, I always like to share. Of course, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, please, uh, you can listen to it just about anywhere now. We've added it on, uh, it's still listen to it at the Apple podcast. You can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, you can also listen to us on the Google Play app. So those are the various ways you can track down the CIAC cast. We hope you will uh, make use of any of those. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and uh, and leave us a review. That's a, a rate us there as well. That would be great. We would uh, greatly appreciate that. This time of year, uh, CIAC Sports on Twitter, at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. All kinds of good stuff there uh, as, as the CIAC Football Championship games approach uh, upcoming this Saturday. Uh, lots of good things there as well. All four CIC football championship games will be streamed live this weekend on the NFHS network. And for the first time as part of a partnership that we are very excited about, two of the games, the Class L and Class M championship games, will also be available on Facebook. You can uh, find the links all over CICsports.com or on the Tournament Central page. That Tournament Central page is, uh, is a great place to get all the information you need for the upcoming uh, football championships as well. So we run through all of that quickly. Uh, if you go to CICsports.com, we've got links for online tickets. You can buy the tickets in advance. Save a little time when you get to the venue. That is a good way to uh, to go if you're heading to a CIC championship game this weekend. Also, of course, have the links to all of the NFHS network broadcasts. We've got a tournament headquarters that has all of the links as well as histories for all of the championship teams. We've got you covered if you're looking for CIAC football championship information at CIACsports.com. So check that out. Look for the Tournament Central page. It's all there. It's all good stuff. We are very excited about four big championship games taking place this Saturday, the 9th of December. So without further ado, let's get to our guest, Ned Griffin of the Day of New London, Sean Patrick Boley, the New Haven Register Game Time CT. They're going to help us break down the four CIAC football championship contests. It is a big weekend of Connecticut High School football with the CIAC championships taking place across the state, and we figured what better way to preview the action going on this weekend uh, at our three venues is to bring on our our CIAC cast football correspondents for the year. We have Sean Patrick Boley from the New Haven Register and Hearst Media and Ned Griffin from the New London Day. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. I'm just being a correspondent, Tay. Hey? It's uh, to be determined. <laughs> uh, please submit your invoice and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> Hello. All right, gentlemen. So let's uh, let's start breaking this down here a little bit. We're going to kind of go game by game here, and uh, I'll sort of select the order at random. But uh, let's let's start off with Class L, where you have uh, kicking off at 11 a.m. at uh, Veteran Stadium, Willowbrook Park in New Britain. Uh, number five, Massick taking on number two, Daniel Hand. 
Gentlemen, how, how do you see this game shaping up? What are some of the things that are uh, of interest for you here in the Class L final? Go for it, Ned. Whew, I'm probably the last person you should ask right now, given I thought New Canaan was going to roll through this entire field. Um, what, I'm, what I'm sort of, I don't really know where to go with this game because I really don't have much of a feel for it. Um, you know, I mean, I just from what I know about Kansas defense, uh, you know, they're pretty gnarly. If I'm not mistaken, they're still what two or less touchdowns a game, correct, Sean? Correct, yeah, about that. Okay. Um, I mean, on the Mazic side, ugh, you know, that offense, is just, other than the Newtown game, has just been ripping it up. And In fact, the Newtown loss now looks even more wacky given the, you know, how easily they dismantled New Canaan. Um, that's a, it's a confusing game for me. <laughs> Take it, Sean. Yeah, a lot, I, I think you got to start with uh... – uh, of all the aspects of the game, we got to start with the hand defense. I haven't seen Mastic either, which is kind of strange. I usually get to see them at least once. Um, this year I have not been able to, to watch them live. The, the job defensively that they did uh, against Buchanan, you know, kind of doing our old Bill Belichick Super Bowl 25 uh, thing, putting all the guys in pass coverage and saying, you know, try and beat us. And they didn't think they had the running game, and, and I, I was kind of stunned. I mean, they, they just couldn't get uh, they, they came and just couldn't get anything going. And Massick's offense was tremendous with, with Matt Hirsch. And we had heard he had been hurt all, all week leading up to the game and that he was hobbling around and he was hobbling in the pitch game, and yet they still put a, did a number on pitch. And uh, we kind of thought they were, they were dead. I mean, New Canada is the four-time defending champions. They just roped um, Middletown in that quarterfinal. And I, you know, and I picked Middletown, so I didn't think this is one of New Canaan's best teams. I, I thought that Middletown maybe would be able to get that one at home. And 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 I, and I was telling the Massive guys, you know, the New Canaan team that I thought was going to show up in the quarterfinals showed up in the in the, uh, in the in the semifinals thanks to your defense. They just did a tremendous job. But you know, when I look at it, I, that hand defense, like Ned said, gnarly. I think is a great word for it because uh, uh, Brian Casagrande, you kind of go everything goes through him. Uh, and he is, you know, in my opinion, easily one of the best linebackers in the state. Probably one of the most fierce I've seen all year. The kid just crushes people, and he's the emotional leader. He's passionate and fire, and he just, you know, they just kind of go where he got, takes them. And now that he's on also on the offensive side because they've had some running back issues all year long, injuries and so on, um, now he's even leading the offense. And mm-hmm. uh, the kids just feed off him. And it, I, I, I think hand defense is, been so great this year, it's going to be really tough for for Massick to crack them. I think much better than New Cannon. And, you know, you talk about a passing game. Hand's secondary has been pretty much underrated all year. We talk about the linebackers and the linemen. Um, you know, they have one of the top uh, interception leaders in the state, Ian Butler. So, uh, you know, I really kind of give the edge to Hand in that matchup. Um, but, you know, you never know. I mean, Massick put, put together a pretty great game plan. They have Jack Roberts and they have uh, Matty Hirsch, um, and they have some pretty good uh, guys on the defensive side as well. You know, Jack Dagman uh, is been great at linebacker, and uh, you know they've been pretty underrated too. That, like Ned said, it's pretty tough to get a handle on it. I think it might be one of the better games of, of the weekend. Yeah, I haven't been able to understand the hand offense all season from just looking at it from afar. You know, none yeah. of the none of the stats are going to blow you away. You know, Phoenix Billings. 
you know, 1,500 yards passing right now, 20 touchdowns. Uh, you know, they even have a 1,000-yard rusher during the regular season, yet they just keep rolling along. It's, you know, I'm used to seeing such gaudy stats, you know, from teams like uh, Kilney or Greenwich, like so. Uh, and one yeah. other thing to add about the defenses is, you know, it's this is not a this will not be a case where either team will be fooled much by the other team's offense because uh, they're both Tony Franklin system schools. So there you go. Right. No, you're right about the the hand offense that hasn't really blown you away at any stretch. I mean, being Stone's old is only he's only a uh, sophomore, and he's yep. he's going to be a great one they think um, down the road, kind of like a Nick Van Dell type. Uh, where he plays for three years and, and, you know, gets better every year, and by the time he's a senior, he's going to be great. But right now, he's only a sophomore. He's still learning it. It looks like a lot of the hand offenses we've seen in the past, they're running all the same stuff that they did when they won the state championships, you know, those little bubble screens, and um, and then they'll pop you in the middle with, with a run. Um, you know, they, again, I said they've been kind of struggling with their uh, running backs. One of them, you know, hurt, their, uh, hurt themselves beginning of the year, and then uh, the last one, got hurt uh, in the playoffs, and uh, so they just turned to Casa Grande, and, you know, he's picked up the load there. Um, and I, you know, it, that's, that's going to be a challenge for hand, no question against the massive defense, um, because it's still pretty, it's a pretty young group, but they do have playmakers, and, you know, it's tough to, you know, to, to coach against, you know, Mike Ciotti and, and Mastriani, who are, you know, leading that show. So uh, I'm sure they'll figure some things out, but, I, you know, I, I also I think massive uh, defense will be up to the challenge. It's got to suck to have to tackle Casa Grande. Oh, kid's a monster. You got to see it. You, you, you go into that thing, yeah? You uh, I don't know. I'm still a free agent yeah. for the morning. He's a uh, he's a treat to watch. Uh, I'll say that. You know, they, you know, coaches talk about their players all the time, and you kind of, I don't want to say roll your eyes, but you, you take it with a grain of salt when they say they're the best linebacker in the state. He, and, Dave Mastronics and Hans said, look, you just got to come see for yourself. And sure enough, I did. And uh, I agreed with him. <laughs> and he just gets better every week. You know, you talk about those one, those singular players that just kind of leave the team, and he's one of those guys. So a lot to uh, digest and to look for at the uh, the Class L Championship game. We're excited to see how things uh, how things shake out there. And uh, Ned Griffin, uh, the the free agent, we'll see where he ends up and if he's able to uh, to take that one in on uh, on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. In New Britain, let's move down uh, downstate a little bit. We're going to head down into Fairfield County, where the double L contest between uh, number one Greenwich and uh, and number three Darien, obviously uh, league rivals that did not square off in the regular season. Darien, the two-time uh, defending double L champions, and uh, Greenwich trying to unseat them. Gentlemen, what are we seeing here in this uh, this FCAC battle for the double L crown? Are they bringing the FBAC championship trophy, the old one that they retired a few years ago, I wonder? I mean, I know Greenwich was talking about the, that they are the FBAC champions in the regular season, not knowing that they would probably face the one team that they uh, would need to face to, to legitimately claim that. So I think, you know, and Darien, the three, uh, excuse me, two-time uh, defending champion, Double L, you know, they've had their roster issues, uh, given, you know, all their suspensions and so on. But, they, you know, that the team has just been so so dominant the last three years, and the coaching staff so good, and uh, they've just rebuilt that, that defense. We, we looked at those guys on the defensive line, uh, you know, uh, and uh, like Bay and 
and uh, uh, Stuber and, and those guys, and they've just rebuilt with them, basically with some of the kids, the younger brothers of the stars of yesteryear on that line. And it's just been just as dominant. I mean, Mike Neary has been tremendous up front, leading that defensive front. Um, West Haven, which loves to just get those their playmakers in the open field, really had very, very little uh, time to do that. And there were lots of sacks and holes that were opened up were only opened up for fractions of a second, and Godfrey, even with all his speed, couldn't even get through. Um, they did a tremendous job. And that's been the heart and soul of this Darianne team right now is their, their front seven, uh, especially their defensive line, which is just it's incredible to think that basically it's a whole new line, give or, give or take a guy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I see a, a Greenwich team that's been good offensively. They don't blow you away, kind of like hand. They have a good quarterback. They strike quick. They kind of get up, they get up on you. Um, and then they kind of turn it over to their defense and then even their special teams. John Marinelli says the special teams is really kind of what makes gives the team its big opportunities to put up big points. Um, that's going to be a, a concern for Darian. But Darian has a good, is a good uh, special teams unit as well. Their puncher's great. Um, so I, I don't think that they're going to be surprised by anything. You know, these teams have played each other over the years. I think they played last year, if I'm not mistaken. And Darian's always won, at least uh, since Marinelli's been there. Um so you, you look at that defense, and I think that's going to be a, a very big key. Can Greenwich score often? Can Johnny Marinelli get into his bag of tricks like he did with South Windsor, maybe strike quick and, and get, up, get up on them? Because if Darian plays with the lead, uh, I know they've struggled offensively uh, with Jack Joyce being back in quarterback. Uh, they, they didn't really run with um, their tailback much. Of who's, uh, what's his name again, Ned? Uh, help me out. Anyway, the tailback, yeah, Mitchell Pryor. Um, he didn't. They didn't really use him a whole heck of a lot. Um, they mostly used uh, uh, Joyce coming, you know, coming out of the backfield and um, quarterback draws. They let him look for uh, drop back to pass, look for a target. And if you didn't see anything, take off. And West Haven had a hard, hard time containing him. Um, their receivers aren't as great as they were maybe in the middle of the season. Um, so the offense kind of is kind of like Greenwich at this point. It does what it has to do. It doesn't make mistakes, um, and that's kind of like what, what it's going to need to do: it, it, it get a lead and turn it over to the defense and see what happens. What do you think, Ned? Is that the uh, Mr. Bowley uh, di- diagnosed this one correctly, as far as you can see? Pretty much. I'm not getting a good feeling about Darian, um, simply because you know you're going to need to throw against Greenwich. You know, right at the last check, they were giving up 2.2 yards of carry on the ground. Uh, so you're going to have to be able to throw on Greenwich. And, you know, with Brian Meniscus out uh, with the suspension and uh, and uh, Nick Green out for whatever reason, those are the two top receivers. Uh, that's a huge loss. Uh, and then flip it over here to the defensive side. You know, you need defensive backs against Greenwich. Mm-hmm. And uh, Meniscus was their best guy. Um, I don't know. That's it's only it's only two guys, quotes only, but you know, those are two pretty big guys to not have around right now. Yeah. They've struggled on offense, you're right. I mean they haven't done a great job. You, know, you saw a few teams kinda hold them down. Ward did a really nice job. They lost seventeen nothing. Um if it weren't yeah. for a few turnovers it might have been even closer. Um, so, yeah, their offense has not been the juggernaut it was maybe when we saw them against St. Joseph early in the year um, or Ridgefield even. Um, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's a fair assessment. I think we undersell a little bit Greenwich's 
offense, excuse me, their defense, it's been just great all year. And I've kind of called them a no-name unit. There's a lot of guys who do a lot of things, and you kind of can't focus on one guy. Um, and But the linebackers are, are, are pretty tough, and the, and the line has just been getting better every week there. Um, if Darian can't find a way to, to solve that, um, that's going to be a problem. I mean, there, like Ned said, you need to pass on Greenwich. We saw that Xavier was successful against Greenwich when it passed. Um, well, and that's all they really did. You know, you saw um, Will Levis hit some big passing plays against that defense, and um, they couldn't run. Xavier's run game was was really really struggled this year. So that's kind of like the situation Darian is in right now. They don't really have any other real option. Mitchell Pryor, they don't really give him the ball that much. Uh, they made mostly made Joyce run around. If guys can contain that, they're going to be in really good shape because then you get the intangibles come into play and the coaching. And, uh, you know, I think that's exactly the position that Greenwich wants to be in. Sounds like maybe you guys could see this being a uh, maybe a lower scoring game than people uh, are necessarily anticipating, at least uh, at least coming in, you know, with two teams that, that maybe have a little bit of a reputation as, as, offensive, uh, as offensive powers. Uh, I just don't know how much Darian's be able to score. That'd be my concern. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Greenwich is going to get their points, but I'm not. I just don't have a good feeling about Darian. Yeah. All right. No, I mean that's fair. It's a fair assessment. Again, again, I think it comes down to intangibles, and Darian is very good. They don't turn the ball over. They have a you know their secondary is excellent. I mean even without uh, Minicus and without Greenwich, Connor uh, Tankin might be one of the better. Corners in the state, and he was kind of overshadowed a little bit. But he had a great game against West Haven, and he's been great all year. He's picking off passes, and he's kind of emerged from this group as the as the leader of the secondary. And he's still pretty tough. And you know, Greenwich is again they 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 do get their spots sometimes, but they're not consistent enough on offense as well. I mean, they when they need to get a first down, they'll get it, but in the course of a game, it's like they're not getting it consistently enough. And um, you know, if they can get those quick strikes. Uh, and, and get up on Darian, uh, Darian early, they might be in a great spot there because their defense is good, and if Darian can't uh, score consistently as well, that's uh, so it could be a defensive battle for sure. You're looking at two great defenses. I just love Darian's defensive front so much, their front seven, especially the front four. I love them so much. I don't know, even with Tyson Camisio back there, their Greenwich is really good uh, tailback. I don't really see Greenwich really getting much on them. They, they are probably the, the toughest front seven in the state, maybe next to hand or maybe even just a little bit above hand. Actually, I wouldn't put them a little bit above hand. That's that's, going to be a tremendous matchup, and, yeah, it's going to be one of those intangible things. And you mentioned intangibles. For what it's worth, uh, you know, the championship experience, at least for this group, uh, would certainly go to Darien as they're now playing in their fifth consecutive uh, consecutive championship game. So let's uh, let's head back up to New Britain. We'll go uh, with Class M here. Uh, I know a matchup that uh, that warms Ned's heart a little bit, as you have two uh, two teams known for their rushing attacks. With uh, number six Joel Barlow, who's maybe been a little bit of a surprise coming through that Class M field, taking on uh, undefeated Killingly, uh, the number one seed. So, gentlemen, uh, walk me through Class M. What are fans going to see there at uh, at Veteran Stadium in the second game of that doubleheader? Uh, dear Sweet Nagurski, you're just going to see running and running and running and running, and it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, Barlow is a funny story. You know, midway through the season, they take a loss to East Lyme at home, uh, you know, losing a lead. Uh, you know, they 
they have a loss to Stratford, uh, four loss Stratford, sorry, four win Stratford, uh, you know, and then sort of sneak past Brookfield and New Fairfield, and the last four games has just gone nuts. Um, you know, they're averaging 524 yards over the last four games when, and 26 touchdowns, and that's just all on, on the ground, rushing-wise. Um, you know, every coach is going to tell you the same thing about playing an option team. It's a pain to have to try to, to prepare for it a short period of time. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Killingly handles that. Killingly's been pretty stout defensively this year, um, but this is a different kind of animal playing against an option team. Uh, you know, on the Killingly side, they're just a shovel-headed kill machine. Um, they're just pounding at you and pounding at you and pounding at you. You know, their base offense for most of the Berlin game was just straight up two tight ends, no splits, receiver splits, two fullbacks, and tailback Spencer Lockwood. And they just keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. Um, you know, this is maybe one of the more physical teams Barlow's uh, have played this year. Um, you know, so can Barlow stop the uh, just absolute hammer fist offense uh, running of Killingly and can Killingly contain, uh, you know, the Barlow option game, which right now just looks they got their mojo going. Mr. Bowley, what do you see? It's a great matchup. Um, you know, it's kind of a perfect mirror image type of deal. Two different offenses, but the same type of philosophy as Ned was saying. You know, Central Lockwood's up for like player of the year in my mind. He, not only is he great on offense, but what did he do? He had three interceptions in that quarterfinal game against Law. Um, I know Law kind of squeaked in there, and, and they were struggling. You know, they were only six and four, but he had three interceptions for by, by one player who also does it, does it all on the offensive side. It is is not too shabby. Uh, he is a tremendous uh, player, and, you know, he's like a Casagrande type. They kind of feed off his emotions and what he does in the field. And, then, yeah, and, they're, and they're, I, watched, I watched some of the Berlin film. Um, they, they really don't give you a lot. I mean, Berlin went right down the field, and then next thing you know, to start the game, next thing you know, they had an interception in the end zone, and, and it was off to the races for, uh, for Killingly in that second quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, it just seems like a team of destiny in my mind. They went to the semifinals two years ago. They went to it again last year, lost both times. Now they're in a position to, to, to finally realize what, what this group, this, this core group of kids have been all about these last few years. And, you know, and Barlow, and what do you say about Barlow? I mean, they've been running that triple option forever. Matthew Stragazzi brought it in, and, and, and Rob Tynan has just been using it, and they, they went away from it for a few games a, a few years ago, and they're like, no, nah, we lost our identity. we got to go back to what we do best. And you know, the, and all they really need is they have the right combo of, of, of linemen, of kids who are dedicated to the system, who believe in it, and then have some tough money backs, which they sure do this year. I mean, it's Stillman, you have Cusick, and the, the quarterback, uh, Trevor Furrer, who's been starter for the last couple of years, they, they've got it down to a science. So it's just going to be a battle of, of grit and determination, uh, who wants it more type of things. And that's, you know, something that I Ned loves, and I certainly love it as well. So that's a game where we're all kind of joking. It's probably going to take exactly 48 minutes on Saturday. <laughs> I'm sure that won't, uh, that won't break anyone's heart on the field, but uh, that should be entertaining. Yeah, over-under on passes is zero. <laughs> Fine with me. 
All right, some good, solid Ned Griffin football. We like to see that. So let's uh, let's wrap up at least the uh, the game by game breakdown here. Uh, back down to the uh, the the familiar spot of West Haven High School uh, and, and two very familiar teams for for fans of high school football in the state of Connecticut. Uh, I think ever since. Uh, People sort of quickly uh, realized at the start of the year that St. Joseph was in Class S this year, and then they won their opener against New Canaan. People have been kind of looking at this contest and uh, this potential matchup with number two St. Joseph taking on number one Ansonia in the uh, the Class S final. I was sort of looking through, surprised a little bit that these teams had only met once in a final before. I know St. Joseph has sort of bounced around uh, in between classifications, but uh, certainly a big game, and, and certainly uh, two teams that are used to winning state championships. Guys, what are you uh, what are you seeing in that Class S contest? You start this one, Ned. Oh, me when we start. <laughs> you start. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, everyone's been waiting for this one. It's the uh, the Ansonia and all their titles. They got twenty, and St. Joseph and all their titles. They got twelve, I believe. That, that's correct, right? Yes. Um, so you have the 32 combined state champions, the two top teams in the CIAC history uh, with the most titles, and you know this is a match. It's a dream matchup. It's uh, like the it's like the end of Mike Tyson's punch out, you know. <laughs> um, and you have uh, Antonio, which is they play in the NBL, and it's a maligned conference to say the least. And uh, we have a lot of you know uh, fans and whatnot on Game Time CT all the debating whether they should even get mentioned in the top ten of the poll because they don't play the type of teams that maybe St. Joseph plays in the FCAC and and why is Anthony getting all this credit? Why do we give them the you know number one trophy over I say a Greenwich and things like that and and well I mean listen it, you don't win twenty championships for nothing. I mean they still gotta play and they're just uh, between the coaching staff and what Tom Brockett does there and the type of kids that they get in, in Anthony and uh, it's funny that they just—they're just a winning program, and uh, I don't care who they play. When it comes down to it, um, they're always—they're uh, always up for any challenge. They'll, they'll play at any time, any 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 day. And uh, so now you have this—you have St. Joseph wants to go in there, show them who's boss, who's really the the real champion of this whole endeavor here. And uh, you're looking at a, a St. Joseph team that, yeah, it started out strong. Um, and then they had a little bit of a hiccup there versus Darien. Decided to, what what what's their situation? What do they want to be this year? Because if they only they got another loss or two, that would have been it for them in Class S. And and they've risen to the challenge. They just they smoked staples. But the defense has just been playing great this last this last uh, few months. And they they smoked staples and they crushed Rocky Hill. And once they got the defense going with Andrew Zuski at linebacker, that kid just flies all over the field. Once they got that going, I think they became the complete package because the offense was already on, on fire with David Summers at quarterback and uh, Malott, Jared Malazzi and Phil Passmeg. Um, even uh, uh, Jaden Sheridan at running back, they can pop him in a, a few times. But uh, it's going to be a real challenge for Sony. I mean, I know that uh, they've had they've been banged up a little bit. Dobbs was hurt um, toward the end of the year, and now we're looking at whether the quarterback, Justin Lopez, gives that offense. Uh, an extra dimension, not not just Dobbs running the ball a hundred times a game like his older brother did the last time these two teams met. Mm-hmm. It gives him just another bit of a something to, for St. Joseph to worry about. If he can't go, that's going to be a problem. Or if he's limited, that's still going to be a problem because I get the feeling that St. Joe really is going to open up that offense and really kind of take it to Anthony. I think the thing that Anthony needs to do is kind of get pressure on them 
and make sure that they can't uh, they can't throw the ball. If they can somehow, I don't know how they're going to do it, but somehow shut down that passing attack. I think that it's going to be a real uh, a big game. And same goes for St. Joseph on the other side. You know, they need to get the Dobbs early, make sure that they don't he doesn't break any big plays, and then you know score early and often like they did against Rocky Hill. The offensive line for St. Joe's early on was a little Mets and Mets. I don't know. I have not seen them since. I don't know how much that's improved. Um, with Ansonia being pretty strong defensively up front, yeah, you know, that could be interesting. Ansonia, you know, would need <laughs> is going to need a pass rush there. What I would be concerned about for Ansonia is, you know, they got a lot of kids going two ways. St. Joe's got was able to platoon. And, you know, <laughs> when they're running the passing game and they're moving the ball fast on the field, you know, that's going to wear on you after a while. Uh, I would be concerned about that if I'm Ansonia. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, Ansonia, Ansonia's defensive front is pretty strong. I mean, Colby Ortiz is that group, and, um, you know, Cody Tidocio, and they're just tough, tough-nosed kids. And, you know, that's going to be a... a yeah, that's going to be a big factor in, in, in my mind, how they're going. St. Joseph, like you said, their offensive line hasn't been great this year when they need to run the ball. I mean, usually Sheridan gets his big carries and his big moments later in the game once St. Joseph has a lead. Um, but when if, if it comes down to it, you can't, if, they, if the passing attack is misfiring or being contained, they have trouble, you know, maybe turning to the run option. To the running option, so um, I think that's kind of like where Antonio needs to somehow get in this. And then we've seen even with the Ridgefield game, even if you keep St. Joseph down long enough, and that there's that passing attack is so great. Um, it's it's probably the the best I've seen in the states this year. I I, I don't know if Ned would agree with me, but it's it's got to come by. Yeah, they, you can't keep it down for so long. You need to kind of really just get up on it and keep the pedal to the metal. I know. I know Richfield gave up a couple of uh, onside kicks in that uh, in that fourth quarter comeback, and things went their way. But then once St. Joseph got the ball back, they were they were impossible to stop. So that's going to be really the, the tough matchup for them. And like I said, if they if the uh, offense, excuse me, if the defensive line for Ansonia and their linebackers can somehow get get uh, pressure on them, even then though they're, they're going to uh, probably going to throw some quick passes in there. They'll, they'll figure that out. It's going to be a tough matchup in Sony for sure. So a lot of uh, a lot of good players, a lot of good pedigree there on the field. So we're uh, we're excited about it. So gentlemen, we appreciate it for uh, four good looks here at uh, at the state championship games. Now we got just a couple kind of uh, rapid fire questions, a little bit, and these could be uh, you could take. Um, your pick from any of the games here in terms of uh, your answers to this one. So we'll start off with, uh, I'm just curious, you know, if you're looking at these these four matchups, uh, what do you think could be a surprise that comes out of this weekend? Whether it's an upset, uh, uh, you know, maybe, although it sounds like from this, there, there aren't really that many upsets on paper, I don't think, with our four championships, but maybe just a game, uh, you know, that goes away or, or is played at a different way than maybe people are expecting. Uh, I'm just curious if you think there's going to be something uh, over the course of the weekend that people will see and say, you know, that wasn't quite how we saw, how we thought it was going to play out. So, uh, Sean, let's start with you. Anything that anything that you might think the, could surprise with our uh, results on Saturday? Well, I'm looking at the, the Class S championship, and 
you know, I think about all the championships that Antonia has played over the years, and they brought some pretty good offenses into it. And you know, given some of the championships, they played Rock Hill, and that was a tough matchup. They lost to Bloomfield that one year, where their running attack was kind of. I don't want to say shut down, but they, they were limited. They didn't run over people like they did and maybe throughout the NBL season. So I'm kind of looking to see if Antonia is going to win that game. It's going to be probably close rather than a, a route, whereas I think, I think Joseph, if it, if it can possibly really pour on the points on, on Antonia, if, if it kind of gets away from them, they have to take some chances and they're down two scores maybe in the third quarter or something. I would be shocked to see Antonio win in a in a, in a blowout. I, I, that that would be something that would really stun me. Um, I, but we've seen it before. We, I mean, Ned and I both remember we were both at that New London game in, in 2007, and we we both picked New London. And they had Jordan Reed, and, and you know who, who wants to coach against Jack Cochran? Uh, we thought we both thought that New London was going to win that game, even without Thomas. And then and Antonio just destroyed him, 35 to seven. Um, and that surprised me at the time and led me to making them number one. So, again, that, it, that would – usually you, if you under, uh, underestimate Ansonia, sometimes they surprise you. And uh, I, I would be shocked if they, if they kind of really took it to St. Joseph, but you know, I would not put that, that past them, no doubt. Mr. Ned, what about you? Uh, something that you think might uh, – a, a surprising result or, or surprising something from the weekend that you think maybe is a little more possible than other folks do? Uh, I guess the best thing to come up with is Greenwich winning comfortably. Yeah. Um, as much as I respect, much as I respect Darian, as much as I love that front line, um, I just, um, I just don't know how Darian's going to get points. I, yeah. Um, so I would not be surprised. I think people might be surprised if that score is, you know. 28-7 or something like that, but I, yeah, I don't know. Again, I still don't know how Darian is going to get points. All right, so that's, uh, yeah, I would say that's a little bit off the beaten path, something to uh, to keep an eye on. All right, uh, how about you just, uh, and I know you guys have mentioned uh, a host of folks uh, along the way here that uh, that are going to leave their stamp on the weekend, but I'm curious if you just sort of, uh, after the four games are wrapped up on Saturday, and, and Ned, we'll start with you this time, who's the player uh, that you think folks are going to be talking about uh, from Championship Weekend 2017? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm going to go away from the common ones. Uh, well, it's a good name for this time of the season. How about Tyler Blizzard of Greenwich? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a tall, tall, rangy defender. Um, you know, he's been a big key to that defense this season. Uh, but the way that that defense has been playing lately, um, think that one of their defensive players is going to shine for them. Uh, and, you know, six six. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of kids. Uh, so, uh, tis the season. Tyler Blizzard. All right. Uh, I like it. A, a theme. That's beautiful. This is why he's, uh, he's a professional, folks. Sean Boley, what do you think? A player that's going to kind of leave their stamp on the weekend. I really think it's going to be Casagrande for hand. I think this kid is just on a mission. He's, he's taken it for, like he grew up watching Matt Walsh and all those kids win state championships in the hand. He really takes this uh, this hand revival, so to speak, to heart. You know, he, he's just an intense, tense player, and you can just see it in his eyes. You ask him, and he 
yes, sir, no, sir, uh, oh, I can't wait, sir. You know, he, he, he says all the right things, then he gets out on the field and he is an utter animal. And I don't know how um, Matt Stick is really going to be able to deal with him. I know that they have their kids, too. They're going to have to match that intensity uh, that he brings. And I don't think it's possible. I don't think there's very many players in this day can match that kid's intensity. And, um, you know, I think he's really going to have something to say about who wins that Class L game for sure. All right, two uh, two excellent choices there. All right, uh, last question, and uh, we'll let you guys get back to the important work that you're uh, you're doing to cover these games and, and get everybody ready uh, at Game Time CT in the New Haven Register and the New London Day. But uh, just in terms of you know the 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 games are all played. What do you think is going to be kind of the big story uh, that emerges from the weekend? Uh, Sean, we'll start with you. Uh, well, big. Story. I think it, we're either. I think two, one of two things is going to happen. I think we're either going to crown Greenwich number one for I think the first time. Ned might know more about this than I would. I don't think Greenwich has ever been number one. Uh, now I got to look at that. I thought I saw someone looking. I, I'm not quite sure. I have to pull that out. But either that or Darian's going to maybe, perhaps, maybe if, if Antonio loses. Uh, maybe the Darien will, will get that number one trophy again, and that would be a, a testament to the kids uh, on that team who are playing on, on Saturday um, to get a third straight uh, number one trophy. Uh, that would be a really good way for that that that, that team. I met a lot of whom were coming back to kind of go out, um, but it's, I think that the the number one trophy is going to go to one of the teams in the class double L, providing that Antonio doesn't. I think you, you can call it an upset if they beat. I think a lot of people are picking against Antonio in this one. I'm not one of them. I, I, at the beginning of the playoffs, I kind of took a shot and threw Antonio. Uh, I thought Antonio might win that, that division. But uh, I think as we get closer to the championship Saturday, I think that, that that would be – I think they are definitely the underdogs in the game. Um, and so I think the number one, uh, the registered number one trophy is going to go to that uh, double L uh, winner right there. And if Greenwich can complete that undefeated season, it's the 10th anniversary of their 2007 championship, their last time they won a title, and they lost the number one trophy to Antonio that year, a decision that people still think is controversial to this day. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's kind of like what I what I think is going to be the biggest story. Ned, how about you? What's the, what's the story uh, when all the games are wrapped up Saturday night? Hmm. Um, I'll go with people looking forward to next season uh, simply because some of these teams are going to be loaded next season. Uh, you know, yeah. There's just juniors across the board uh, at Greenwich. It's it's ridiculous how many juniors they have there. Uh, you know, Starting with quarterback Gavin Muir and running back Tyson Camizio. Uh, you just go up and down, up and down their, uh, their roster and their top contributors and it's just junior, 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 junior. Uh, St. Joe's Another team that's got a lot of juniors, including David Summers, our quarterback, uh, New Canaan, Drew Pine, Quentin, o Quentin O'Connell. They're both coming back. Uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with people pining for another football season and looking forward to a a strong junior, uh, a strong senior classes next year across the state. All right. So and by the way, just gonna, I just quickly and just quickly scanning through, I cannot find a year that Greenwich was number one, which. Yeah, I just, I just did it, too. I was just going to say. That's that stunning. is stunning, isn't it? That, that is stunning. I just, yeah. Seven Greenwich championships, and, and for so long, the scourge of the FCAT, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, st 
Sun, never a number one. Wow. Yeah, there were two. In There's the, a storyline. Yeah, they were. I didn't even think about going into the, the luncheons. They were two and sixty-two. They they were they were two and seventy-four. They were two in eighty-one. They were two in. Let's see here. That might, next one might be. They were three in two thousand one. They were two in two thousand two. They lost to West Haven. They were two in two thousand six and two thousand seven. Both to Ansonia, and there you go. All right. And neither the coaches poll, which was run by the Hartford Current, Current and now is run by Ned uh, Day. Um, neither coaches nor the the media polls were they ever number one. That's fascinating. All right, so we're digging up a little history here on the podcast, and uh, and so we're looking forward to a big day of football championships on Saturday, gentlemen. And uh, and according to Ned, as soon as it's over, I know at least that these two gentlemen are going to be uh, start looking ahead to uh, to the 2018 football season. But let's uh, let's enjoy uh, the championship games on uh, on Saturday, uh, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Check out all their fine work. Uh, the Game Time CT website, New Haven Register, the New London Day website for uh, for Ned Griffin. Gentlemen, greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks for all your time. Thank you. Thanks so much to both of those gentlemen. I love being on the phone with them and just hearing them break everything down, get uh, some insight on those many games that are taking place this weekend. Again, running through the schedule on Saturday, the Class uh, the Class M, excuse me, the Class Double L Championship game, number three Darien versus number one Greenwich at Boyle Stadium in Stamford, 11 a.m. The kick there. The Class L Championship game at Veteran Stadium in New Britain, number five Massac taking on number two Daniel Hand. That's 11 a.m. kickoff. The Class S Championship, number two St. Joseph taking on number one Ansonia at West Haven High School, 11 a.m. And then the uh, lone doubleheader of the day, the Class M Final between number six Joel Barlow and number one Killingly. That will be at Veterans Stadium in New Britain starting at 3 p.m. So a big day of CIC football championship action. Again, remember, buy your tickets online before heading to the venue. Save yourself some time. Same price as you will pay at the gate. So there's no reason to not uh, not do that. The link for that is available on the website, all of the websites, CICsports.com, as well as the sub Tournament Central page. NFHS Network and Facebook will be your spot for live streaming of the CIAC Football Championships. The two, all four games will be available on the NFHS Network. The other, the Class L and the Class M Championship game, available live on Facebook. Go to the Facebook Watch page. You'll be able to find the championship action there. So if you have a Facebook account and who uh, doesn't have a Facebook account at this point. I think just about everybody, you should be able to track down that CIAC championship contest. So hope you'll look that up. Follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. It's going to be a fun weekend of CIAC football championship action. So we hope you will uh, make use of all the great things we've got for fans to get ready for the games. And uh, we will see you out there. So I am Joel Cookson. We thank you so much for joining us. Let's enjoy some CIAC football championship competition. We hope you'll be back with us next time when we come back maybe to break down some of those championship games along with some of the other fall championships with a new edition of the CIAC cast.